Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. I am so thrilled to be able to speak with Shannon Miller today. You're going to love this episode. Shannon and I have connected online. We have not met in person yet. That will happen later this year. So I'm so grateful for this conversation and what we dive into. Shannon is a grief guide and a professional speaker. Shannon is a mama to three amazing children, Nikki, Katie, and Josh. She is also a traumatic grief survivor. Her world was completely shattered in 2014 when her daughter, Katie, was murdered at a house party. Determined not to drown in her tsunami of grief, Shannon made the choice to live life with strength and purpose. Today, Shannon is a grief guide where she coaches others as they walk through their darkness of grief and learn to live life after loss. In addition to this, Shannon is also a speaker, author, and advocate for families of murdered loved ones. Here is the truth. This is what the quote Shannon left me with. Here is the truth. You can choose to live in the darkness or you can choose to live in the light. The choice is yours. That in itself is so powerful and that is exactly what this podcast is about, is connecting with people who own their choices and own their life. They are taking a story that has happened to them that is sometimes so, it's just unfathomable and what they are doing with it to impact, serve and support others just really deserves the listen. So I'm so grateful to have Shannon here and I know you will love this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today I am here with Shannon Miller. Shannon is a grief guide and professional speaker, and I was absolutely blown away by her story and what she is choosing to do with her story. And I just, I just respect her so much for what she's doing, and I'm so excited to dive into the journey that she's on right now. So welcome, Shannon. Hi, Marsha. Thanks so much for having me. You are very welcome. You're very welcome. I, um, we're going to start with a few questions first before we get into your story, just so people can get an idea of where you are and who you are and what you're about. So where are you from? I'm from Calgary, Alberta, but Calgary. I'm, I'm a Saskatchewan girl in heart. That's oh, are I'm you from. really? Yeah. yeah. I've never been to Saskatchewan. I've been to Calgary. I have not been to Saskatchewan. What makes you a Saskatchewan girl at heart for somebody who's never been there before? Uh, the wide open spaces. The open spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's beautiful. Actually, there's a lot of metaphors there. That's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, the most impactful book you have ever read? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to make you think. I like to make you think. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, the Four Agreements. Yeah. Uh, but part of that, I think, was because it was, it was short and simple. And it really just, I was really able to grasp it when my focus wasn't there. Mm-hmm. 
I, that's actually a really, that book is, is near and dear to me. And I just know because when I was trying to, everybody was saying, you know, read and put good in and focus. And like, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even read a page. My brain couldn't even function to read a page. So I kind of started to dive into audiobooks and I would do things on YouTube because I just couldn't grasp words on a book. So, but the four agreements was one I could do because it was just small. I could do small little snippets of books, right? Marianne Williamson was another one I dove into at that time because I think she had, um, I'm going to, I forgot the name, but it's like one page per day per year. And yeah. that's the kind of books that I was doing for a long period of time, right? Mm -hmm. You're just working to shift that headspace. Who has been the most impactful mentor in your life? Well, I've had a few actually. Um, strangely enough, maybe it, one of them is my daughter, my oldest daughter, Nikki. Uh, yeah. She has incredible strength, amazing heart. Um, she stands up for herself, but she's willing to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> another person is one of my sisters. I have five. Nice. Sisters. You have five sisters. Nice. Any boys in the family or all girls? No boys. No, no boys. boys. No yucky boys. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I and I also have. I'm not sure if a mentor's the, really the right word, but huge respect for um, a lady that I met after um, after Katie died and. Mm -hmm. She's just so open and so willing to hold space for me mm. and um, no judgment. Um, there was never a need to have to talk, but she would just hold space. And she was, she is a very important person in my world. That's beautiful. I love how you said that. And I will probably circle back to that, but it's just the fact that People don't know what to say to someone when something is, has gone wrong. And I love how you said that. Sometimes you just need someone to hold space. You don't need, like, please don't try so hard. And we're going to come back to it, but don't try so hard to say all the perfect, there's no perfect thing to say. Holding space is just powerful. And it takes very special friends and special people to be able to hold space. The way I look at that is that people who can do that are people who are um, able to make it not about them. They're able to look at it from and make it's all about it is about you, but they're just able to make it not about them. They're able to stay almost can reflectively see that it is it's about you, right? And that's why holding space is so powerful. So I just yeah, I completely respect those words. What is something that lights you up or drives you? <laughs> well, now uh, it's my grandbaby. Mm -hmm. so he's about 10 months. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that has really um, opened my heart up again a lot. A awesome. Lot. Yeah. Awesome. But just, you know, spending time with my family and my friends and out in nature, whether it's just for a walk mm -hmm. or I'm not too much of a mountains girl. <laughs> like I, I know said. that one because you like the open space, right? The prairies. You like, that's what you like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you, um, you, a grief guide and a professional speaker, you've jumped into professional speaking last year. Um, I wasn't at that event, but I do know, um, I saw a lot of the comments and the feedback and I know that you touched a lot of people in that room. And I love that your 
dealing with a program, a warrior program, finding the warrior within, how to find that inner fighter when your world has been shattered. And we have this like wonderful plan for what our life is supposed to look like. And I mean, rarely does it ever follow that path, but sometimes it follows a path we could have never foreseen, right? We just didn't, never even had it on the radar. And that's what, no, that is exactly what yours has done. Um, so maybe you could take us back a little bit and you can share any aspect of this that you want. Just tell us, um, tell us a little bit about your daughter. Sure. So my daughter, Katie, mm-hmm. uh, she's my middle child mm-hmm. and she was sarcastic and she was funny and she mm-hmm. was brilliant and she was beautiful and she was a dancer and she was strong and stubborn and and just part of my heart and soul mm-hmm. she had a real spiritual connection we did together but um let's see in april of 2014 did you want me to tell me a little bit about yeah absolutely so we had a really beautiful conversation one night and she was just super happy and it was beautiful. I just love my kid. Like I know every mother says that, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I did. And we had a beautiful conversation. We ended it with, you know, I love you. And I said, I love you, baby. She said, I love you, mama. And we hung up and she went to house party the next night and she was murdered there along with, uh, four other boys. Four, so five people total. Five people total. Mm-hmm. And like you had said before, never even considered it. Of course, I thought about them getting in car accidents. And oh, of, of course. As a parent, yeah. Fall down and break their arm. And like, you know, you do think of, of different things and you worry about different things, but not, not a clue. Um, my kids were never in trouble, so I didn't even know where the police station was. Like, I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about court. I didn't know anything about laws. Mm-hmm. So uh, it completely shattered me. I was so shocked. I, I, I can't even, I still can't find words to actually describe mm-hmm. how those first few days were. Mm-hmm. And not even denial, because there was so much media. And so, I mean, logically, you know, it's true when detectives come to your house. That, no, I see that, that like, it's like, it's so many people do live in denial, but you, that was not, that was not an option because your life was being lived out publicly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there we were, piece of my world was taken away. Mm-hmm. And my kids, of course, were devastated, my two other kids. And it completely changed our world. Mm-hmm. Nothing was the same. No, I have no. And those first, um, those first few days, because as people can listening could relate to you, how did you keep going? Like, what kept you going? Honestly, mm-hmm. and numbness. Okay. I, yeah. I remember... Um, so all my sisters came down um, to support to support us, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting on the couch a couple days afterwards, and I just turned to my sister and said, "You know, if it wasn't for my skin, I would just be all over the floor. Like mm-hmm. I felt so broken. Mm-hmm. 
and there's just again there's no really words to describe no. how you feel that so if it wasn't that your body automatically keeps breathing your blood keeps flowing i wouldn't have survived i it's not even that i did or didn't want to survive mm -hmm. I, I was just numb I think that's part of what the body does to process. Like I just, I think it just, you just go into a state of shock numb because it's just, it, it's too much to absorb. It's just too much to take on your, your brain says, I just can't, I can't take this in. I don't know what to do with this. And I, I actually felt at times like my brain was on fire. Mm. I'm sure it was so process so much and mm -hmm. of course sadly you know they're you're thrown into having to make decisions right away oh and in our situation we had to go to these headquarters and you know we had to do all that stuff as well and then the media hounding us mm -hmm. to about it and you know all their friends were at that party so then we were you know not helping them because of course they had their own families but that concern is there Oh, of course. And, they doing? And, and then your other children and it was just. It's a lot for everyone to take on. And I mean, I have to believe in some ways that it impacted a lot of those kids that were there for, it just impacted their whole lives. Change them, right? Like it's a, that's a turning point. Like there's such a, even a, to be nearby, to be like, it, it just, yeah, very much a turning point for them as well. I've been very surprised actually about the ripple effect that mm -hmm. these beautiful humans had on the world. It's reached more people than I can imagine. And you know, that five degrees of yeah. connection, whatever that is, it's shocking how just so many connections there are with them. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all connected in some way, shape or form and we are all, um, I mean, we feel we, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I don't know you as well. I don't know your daughter. I just, I just feel for you. Right. I mean, I feel because I think any parent or any person would feel for you. So you, you're working through those first, um, that first time and feeling the numbness. And then what can you think back to like when there was maybe some turning points or some points where you just felt like this feels different now? Yeah, I actually remember almost to the day. It was in October. Mm -hmm. So uh, Katie was killed in April, so it was October. Six months. Six months. And I woke up one day the same way I always did, crying. Mm -hmm. That, you know, one second before you're completely awake where you, you kind of forget that what has happened. Yes. And you real, the realization comes back in. And so I woke up crying. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. I, like, I literally can't function. This mm -hmm. takes me three hours just to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I would lay there trying to convince myself to get up because I made it a point not to stay in bed. Mm -hmm. I knew if I stayed in bed, I probably wouldn't get out. Right. So three hours later, you know, I usually got up. But I decided that day I can't do it anymore and that I needed to make a choice. It's not that I was was you know considering suicide but it was either am i going to live mm -hmm. like really live you know go out find happiness you know that kind of really living or just survive because that that was a real option just staying in the darkness mm -hmm. and never it's it's just as hard to move forward as it is to stay in the darkness because it's both 
So yeah. that that's really powerful. Like that's really, really powerful. I was just looking at the one quote that you said there and the fact that like learning to live this new life, that it would last a lifetime. It's going to be full of darkness and light and staying right. I mean, this is the, a big part of what we try and talk about here is owning your choices, right. And owning your life. You had one point there where it's like, yeah, I do have a choice to stay in bed. I also have a choice to get up. Which one do I want to make? They're both hard. They're just different hearts. Like yes. it's, but they're both hard. Like it's not staying there. I believe that the time that you did stay in, in bed, numb, you, like your body had to go through that time because it just, there's no rush. I have a very good friend of mine who lost her husband. Um, and I mean, he was 35, I think when he died, two young kids under two. And it was just, uh, it was such a, a tough, um, tough time there. And I remember him saying, her saying that like, there just was, there was just no time to be, I, I couldn't give, I didn't. And it just took so much longer because there wasn't time to try and do that and go through those process and those emotions and the feelings. And she said she had to get rid of all of her grief books for a while. She said, because everything made me feel like by three months, I should be doing this by six months. I should be doing this. And she goes, meanwhile, by two years, I'm still doing this. Like this is just five years. And so I, I think that we have to be really careful that we don't fall into a path that it, it has to be done by X, Y, Z, right? Exactly. I hundred percent agree with that. Because mm -hmm. Even now it's been five years and there's still some things that I feel almost like I'm right at the beginning again, mm -hmm. because as the numbness, and that's another thing that actually surprised me, the numbness and the shock stays much longer than people can ever imagine because it's only been the last couple of years that I really feel like my body has been given completely back to me and I'm, you know, able to make those decisions without the shock, without mm -hmm. the numbness kind of protecting me. Mm -hmm. But um, it's true. There's no time frame. Some people move a little bit faster with some things, but struggle with others. And the thing is, it's not, it's not a linear line. No, God, no. They said, no. Valleys and you go back. Yeah. And Triggers and things like that, right? And it's a lifelong thing. I mm. mean, I will love my children for my whole life. So I will grieve that Katie's not here with us my mm -hmm. whole life. I'll mm -hmm. still love her. Of course you will. And just like I want to talk about her, just like I do my other kids, because she's my child. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's... I think that that's a, she obviously had a beautiful spirit and that is helping to keep her alive in the family, right? Is, is, is her spirit, right? There's no, I think that's wonderful. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And I, I love that you say that and you honor that because I think it's really important to not get stuck in timelines of where you think you should be or how you should be processing the grief. And I believe, I have no research to say this, but I do believe from going through trauma in a sense that the longer you avoid going through the trauma, the longer the trauma takes to go through. Like yeah. I just really think it's, you have to allow that time to process and go through the emotions and the longer you put it off or the longer you try and go around it or avoid it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it might take even longer in the big picture. Yeah. I, I agree so much with that because I find too, just with speaking with, with other people and helping other people, it's almost like you run from it. Mm -hmm. But what we don't know or don't realize it, 
you know, at first is that it's right behind us. It doesn't leave us. It doesn't go away. Follows us along. So, you know, <laughs> it just keeps following. Yeah, and literally I started just stopping, mm -hmm. you know, like just actually sitting in the silence because that's scary. And, and well, what do we do when things are tough? Like, let's just think about this for a second. What do we as humans do when things are tough? We pull out our phone, we go back to our distractions, we numb out with TV, we have wine and chips, we do like we numb out is what we do. And that is a pretty consistent, I know that, I mean, myself included, it's happened. But that is like, that just takes, makes the whole path longer. It does. And I'm, I'm not against it and I'm not nope. judging anybody that nope. has, but one choice I made was to not use any medication, no mm -hmm. sleeping pills, none of that, because I thought I'm just prolonging it. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't imagine like having to go through the pain again after trying to wean off some of this medication that I was offered. I'm like, no, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, for me, it, did, it didn't feel right. Yep. You have to do what feels right for you. I and mean, you have to make, the thing is, is that we always have to make a judgment call in that moment in time, right? I mean, this is the thing, like a decision is a decision. We might look back and wish we did different decisions. Who knows? But not making a decision is a decision. So it's like, we have to do the best that we can in that circumstance. I look back and think, God, we should have done these things differently, but they're done. And I think that's all part of the learning, right? It's all part of the learning as we, as we move forward. And I think we need to learn to be kind to ourselves too. Oh. So a decision I maybe made at the, in the beginning would no longer serve me a couple of years later. No. So I have that right to change that decision. You and absolutely do. Forward. Mm -hmm. And with guidance and help from other people, you know, things that maybe I never even considered doing or not doing, you know, they've, they've shared that with me. So staying open to help or even asking for help mm -hmm. is an important thing as well. And did you find it hard? Are you a person who was able to ask for help or how did you find that process? Um, I found it difficult. Mm -hmm. I... I had been divorced for quite a long time. So okay. I was making all my, all my own decisions and being responsible for those decisions. And yes. um, kind of took pride in that, to be honest. You know, I thought, well, yeah, I'm a strong it's a woman. It's a warrior trait. It's yeah. a strong warrior <laughs> trait, unfortunately. Yeah, I do understand. And, uh, it was hard. It was hard-ish <laughs> because I was so broken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things didn't get taken care of and not possible. Like you, it's not possible. There's just, there, there had to be things that went way by the wayside because when you get into that state of numbness and trying to process what you have there, like it's survival. It's just like, what can I do to, and, and maybe barely that, like it's making foods a chore, trying to figure out, you know, it's just, it's all a chore. Exactly. Well, and it was almost beyond comprehension too, because the idea of having to make a decision mm -hmm. was too much. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the energy or I didn't even have the focus. So what to make for supper? Well, I don't know. Like literally I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had a lot of anxiety about going out. Yeah. So going to the grocery store, for example, you know, I, the newspapers there, um, people are Probably. talking yeah, the media follows you, you know, so. 
I don't think that most of us could even, I mean, most of us will never going to be able, well, not never, but be able to, at this point, comprehend and understand the emotions of what you went through, but add a media piece to it and add the, like, like it just, it almost promotes more isolation, which is a tough thing because you pull yourself away. Yeah. There's a time that you definitely have to isolate. There's a time that you've got to go internal and process, but eventually, right, you have to be able to reach back out again and um, ask for help, ask for support. And that's, that's hard to do. That's, I get that. That's very hard to do. And it's a fine line, right? With um, asking, asking for support or wanting to not isolate yourself because that does become dangerous. Mm -hmm. Really um, overdo that. But also it's important to, to have that, private time, that quiet time. I'm, a, I'm an extreme introvert. Mm -hmm. And so just, which is so strange now to me that I'm, <laughs> that I'm a public speaker and all that because. No, actually, I think I would love to know the numbers on this and maybe somebody knows it. I have heard a number of women who are speakers and a lot of them are introverts or functional introvert of what you would call. I can't even tell you. I think it's because on stage you're able to tap into part of you internally that maybe not everybody can. And it's all relative to how much time do you need to recover? And I mean, I love being up there and sharing and impacting and helping people but I know that for as much as I give when I'm up on stage or I'm at my events that I need as equal time to recover. Right. Like that's really becoming so clear. It's taken me years to figure this out. So hopefully that will help you with shortening a learning curve. But if I'm up there for a full day, um, I remember when I did Marlo's event in Toronto, the Uncommon Woman Tour, and I was in a really critical stage at that, and critical, but really difficult stage with a personal family member at that time. And I mean, two days before, I just literally went pull out. I couldn't even fathom getting up there and doing it. And it was like, nope, lean into it, be honest, let them know you're struggling, be real. I just threw it all out and interacted in a way that I hadn't before. <laughs> I'm so glad my friend came because I'm not sure I could have driven home from Toronto. That's, I'm not even joking. I would, by the time I was done, by the time my day was done, my, I was brain dead. I was just fried. I couldn't yeah. even think. Oh. That's and that's the way I was too, and it was a beautiful experience yeah. and I wonderful feedback. Mm -hmm. And I was exhausted, yeah, absolutely exhausted. So, that's something that I've learned as well is that I need to make sure I the self care stuff that's an overused word, I know a lot, but um, it's important with the it, work that we do. It's it, with this kind of work, absolutely, which is going to take me into the next thing. Where in your journey did this? Um, did your daughter's story and your experience um, lead you into going into grief support and coaching and speaking? Where was that turning point? When did that happen? Well, the turning point was probably about two years ago. So that would have been year three. Mm -hmm. But um, it was building right from the beginning because I struggled a lot trying to find... Um, counselors and therapists that were more specific to my needs. There are a lot of, of um, grief therapists or grief counselors out there, yes. but um, not for what I, not the traumatic, not the um, having to deal with 
murder and the courts and the media. So it, it just had a lot more layers. Yes. Um, it does, and I'm not comparing anybody's yeah. of course. But um, so I struggled. I went to five or six different therapists, could find no one um, that really understood. A couple of them um, burst out crying and I was supporting them. And I, I felt, yeah. Sorry. And you know, like, there's no judgment. I just, I, I so relate to what you're saying. So relate to what you're saying. So for me, it was like, well, I'm done. I'm done, you know, opening up, spilling my guts. Yeah. And these people not understanding. So I went a different route. I went um, more to um, a natural kind of. This person was actually a massage therapist that nice. was integrating Reiki and, and different touch things. So it was more about the feelings as opposed to just talking. Right. And, um, for me, it worked. And that was the realization there is that there needs to be other options for people that um, that traditional counseling or therapy doesn't work for. And I didn't find anybody that was in my situation. I mean, there, of course, sadly, there's lots of people that um, their children died and have been murdered as well, but I wasn't able to find them. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted that person. I felt like I really needed that person. I was just one step ahead of me just so I could just kind of cling on to the, their hope. Like I could see that they're, oh God, they're still getting up. They're, you know, mm -hmm. they're laughing, they're, they're happy, they're surviving. And oh, now they're doing more than just surviving. How are they doing that? Mm -hmm. And um, so I just started writing sticky notes. Oh, like little affirmations and sticky notes up? Writing anything, anything that came to my mind, because I had no one, to, no way, nobody to hear what I'm saying. And so I wrote it down and sticky notes were easy for me because my focus wasn't there. I could yes. write words. Um, I, every counselor I went to told me to start journaling. And I tried numerous times. And, and for me, just me, it didn't work. I would start to cry. It would trigger me. Like it was... It was awful, but these mm -hmm. yellow sticky notes were quick and easy. And so. so this is, I mean, I think this is really important for people listening in is the fact that you kept searching for something that might work. You kept, you know, you could, some people go to the first counselor and say, that doesn't work and this counseling doesn't work. And then just completely dismiss it. And, and it's the fact that you kept looking for what would help. And I had counselors say, like, read a book. I'm like, I, I can't even focus. I can't meditate. Meditate put me to sleep. Like, I just couldn't. And I, I, all the suggestions didn't seem to work. So I commend you for finding something that works for you. And that's really all you're doing is you're, it's like you're trying to listen, tune in, and what can I do to change this? Like, what can I do to change my state right now? So important. And I actually started with yoga. Nice. Like 10 minutes of yoga a day. And it was just, it was my thing. It was my quiet. It was something, it was more soul than the physicalness of it. Yes. And I think that was part of me understanding that I needed something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you're right. People need to keep searching or they need to listen to themselves and, you know, I'm sure lots of family members and friends mean mean so well when they, they do. do yeah this and this. 
but sometimes even that's overwhelming mm-hmm. you know like I don't know your good friend tells you you should be doing this or suggests and then suddenly it's for me I felt like I was pressured oh I'm not doing I'm not grieving right because I'm not doing this mm-hmm. so let's try this and eventually I just had to let all of that go and find what worked for me yeah um, and part of that too was showing my other two children that it was okay. It was okay to to try other things. It was okay to laugh. It was okay to, you know, take care of you. Mm-hmm. That because of course we became this very closed unit, me yes. and my other two kids, and it was like we were so busy taking care of each other that none of us were taking care of ourselves. Oh, so- how. How, sorry, how powerful is that? And how true is that? It's, it is easier to put our energy on trying to, I say, fix or, or take care of or um, someone else. And then by matter that we're actually avoiding what we need, like we're avoiding what we need and we're not listening to it because it's just easier to take care of someone else right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But also, you know, I, I'm hoping and I did talk to my kids and, and they said yes, but that me showing them that it was okay was a huge part for them because they didn't they didn't want me thinking that they were forgetting about Katie or that they thought it wasn't as right. important or significant as I did or anything. So I needed I needed to kind of lead the way mm-hmm. and find my own way though. And they saw that. I mean other things weren't for them. And yeah. we supported each other in that way. So that's beautiful. Honestly, that's beautiful. That is, um, I, I really commend you on that. And thank you so much for sharing that part of the journey with us. Cause I'm sure of course that was not easy at all. You have taken that into now sharing your story, right? You've taken it into being open, um, and sharing. I, you do a beautiful job with your writing and, um, on your Instagram platform and sharing snippets and stories and emotions and there's just so much of what you say that I can relate to and I know others can as well so now you're in a spot where you are sharing your story you're sharing um Katie's story and you're being very real about it and using it to try and impact and support others um how does that feel now like how does that feel the process feel it, it feels like it's come full circle because mm-hmm. that's what I was searching for. And really that's what drives me most it, of the days to do it is that it was something that I needed so badly. Um, again, just the words escape me right now of, it's okay. of how to express how much that um, would have meant to me. And seeing people's reactions, having people DM me, um, you know, talking to people on the phone. And, you know, I've I've had people reach out from all over Canada, from from the States. And And I really hope, I'm trying my best to stay real and raw and vulnerable on my post because it's the truth. And we shouldn't have to hide any of that. No. People don't really know about grief any kind of grief. It just doesn't have to be the death of a loved one. But there's, you know, there's grief in divorce. There's grief in oh. your You know, just when your world changes, right? And this is the this is the thing that we talked about even before we started recording is the fact that I mean, 
we there's there's power in our stories and that even if we don't have the same stories we can connect with the emotions of someone else and as i read your story and what you submitted i was just like i could just feel the similar emotions we didn't have the same story but i could feel the emotions of what you went through and how your life um was impacted in some way shape or form and just i just again not comparing it's the same but that's what people relate to they relate to the emotions and the feeling and then all of a sudden the light bulb moment is like oh i'm not alone i'm not alone like it's wait i thought it was just me and i think that happens because in some of our darkest times of life is when we retreat from the world we retreat from everybody we just pull back and we just the curtain goes up and we just we block everyone else and it's no wonder we feel so alone i'm not saying there's not a, a part of your life like of life that we have to do that for but it's no wonder we feel so alone because we i i literally blocked everyone out like i just couldn't i wasn't in the space to deal with other with other people and to deal with i mean their comments their words i just it was just slowly killing me so i had to block it all out but all of a sudden, the analogy I give is the world got really, really small. My world got really, really small and my problems didn't go away. So now all of a sudden I'm like trapped behind this massive wall of armor and I still have problems and I didn't know what to do. And that's, if you can light the way for someone else to help them to see it doesn't have to be that way, um, now you've taken your story and put so much power with it. So much power. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, no, I totally commend you on doing that. So tell me a little bit about what you do with some of your clients as you're taking through. Do you do one, you do one-on-one -on -one coaching, you do group coaching as well? Uh, I mostly do group, well, sorry, I mostly do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah. It's such a personal and intimate. Um, I knew it as soon as I said it, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I have held a few different group events and, mm. and they were good and people were open to them and that, but, um, my one-on-one -on -one is, is really where my heart's at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on where the person's at, we, we start with the feelings. Yeah. Because, you know, the numbing out, even though your body does that naturally at first, um, you become reliant on that numbing out feeling. So when it starts to dissipate, people tend to find other ways to numb out. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about before, you can't run away from your feelings and there's no healing until you start. So. You have to feel it to heal it, right? You have to feel it to heal it. And I, and that's just, I know that's hard and I know that's painful, but it's the only way, like it is the, it is the only way. And you know, with uh, Zoom calls and, and all the social media stuff, I'm able to reach out to a lot more people than, you know, having to say within Calgary here and going for coffee type thing for, for right. society. So that has helped a lot. Nice. You know, to be able to reach more people. Yeah. And, you know, with the warrior, warrior program that I developed, I basically just spent a lot of time thinking about what I needed in different, different times of my journey this far. Mm -hmm. So really the program's never going to end because as you keep moving forward, you know, you discover new things. And I do, do deal a lot with triggers, though, because those are never ending. Mm -hmm. And they come at the craziest times, of course. You know, you yeah. for me, a lot of it's driving. I'll look over and I'll see, you know, a young girl that might have 
you know, crazy messy bun or something. Katie wore hair like that. Yeah. So, you know, how do you de- deal with those triggers when you're on the freeway, you know, and, and the tears start happening and that. So working with that before they happen and kind of having strategies in your mind, it's something that you can pull from them when mm-hmm. triggers happen. And you know, there's other things in the program too, but yeah, just really trying to connect with yourself. This is what I do and helps with the healing, right? You're helping, you're helping people with their healing. And I, I just, I commend you for that. I think it's wonderful. I really, really do with your warrior program. It is um, something that, how long does the program, like is it, is it that they start into? I know that kind of continues to go. Mm -hmm. It's anywhere from two to four months. Yeah. So again, it depends on where they're at and even how deep they want to go with it. Mm -hmm. And then after the warrior program, then I, I have another step after that, but it's not until the warrior program's done that it's just, um, would be just once a week calls. Yeah. Just to kind of keep that support going. Which is, is perfect. And I think like, as we said before, there is no timeline, like it's no timeline. And with the triggers, it's interesting because I find the triggers, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. But sometimes with people, like the the happiest times for everyone else are the triggers I find. Yes, so true. Right, the birthdays, the Christmases, the the Easter's. The I'm I mean I'm grateful for my family. I don't I'm very grateful for everyone. But it's it's it, their triggers. They're different. Life is different. It's just different now. Yeah, and I call those a lot of um, happy sad. Mm-hmm. Like when my daughter got married or when she had her baby, you know, such joyous. And I never want to take away from anybody's happiness. No. There's that little bit of sadness there. There's those triggers there Mm -hmm. and they're always broken. So again, it's, it's learning how to deal with it. And with my warrior program, that's part of it is like, basically you, you have me 24 seven because you don't know when the triggers come, you know, if we have a Zoom call for a Tuesday and a trigger happens Saturday, well, I know what it feels like to have to wait. Yeah. And you're exactly. sitting in that yuck for all those days. Whereas if, you know, we can jump on a Zoom call for 15 minutes and, you know, help you work through it, then it just lightens that, that darkness. So That's very generous of you. And I, I know you're doing it because you know what it's like. And all the more reason to make sure you do your own self care because yeah. it has to be taught. I know it's not a lecture, I promise, but it's that it has no, to be. No, no, I've worked with my coach on that. That was, we both said it at the same time, actually, is that this is first. So, it has to. You can't give if you don't, if you're not full. You just can't. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of it, too, is why I've, you know, like I said, it's been five years mm-hmm. and it's been, I've been developing it for the last few years, but I, I wasn't ready. I needed, to, you know, I need to do my own work. I hired lots of coaches, yeah. you know, I, I just had lots of mentors and that sort of thing. And so I know what I need now in order to get back, but it's, you know. that's powerful. And you know that because of your own trial and error, your own effort to figure out what helped you, what was best. And I mean, not as kind of a segue, not everybody's going to agree with that, right? Not everybody's going to understand the journey that you're on now. Um, I 
commend you for it. And I love what you're doing. Absolutely love what you're doing. But I know that not everybody does. And that's not because it's a tough, you know, we, for many generations, and I'm going to stereotype for a second, there's this, that we take our trauma and we just shove it under the carpet and we keep going. Strong women, we keep going. You just, you just put your head down and one foot in front of the other and you keep going. I'm not saying there's not an aspect of like work hard and do that. I get it. But it's that, that doesn't necessarily serve a very good purpose when you're trying to deal with something like this. Because then all of a sudden, if you can't do it that way, you're thinking like, what's wrong with me? What is, am I just weak? I don't understand. And it's, it's ridiculous, but that's the definitions that we tend to live by. Yes, so true. And plus, if you're, if you're not allowing yourself or allowing people in your circle to express their grief in whatever grief that they have, Mm -hmm. it's toxic like it's it is scientifically toxic to your body Mm -hmm. you'll get sick if you don't release it so if you're you know stuffing it down whether it's with food or alcohol or just literally just not allowing yourself to feel you will get sick Mm -hmm. it's it's a toxic thing so society needs to change honestly you know there's cultures out there that celebrate grief as in like they the whole community comes together they're it's supported you're allowed to talk cry laugh scream i mean it, it's really beautiful to know that there are places in the world that that do that mm-hmm. and and we're we've been taught i think again not stereotypically like you you had mentioned but you know shove it under the rug mm-hmm. don't tell people like it's mm-hmm. none, no one's business or you know, it's kind of a secret and that's, that's hard to do because you're not being allowed to really express your emotions. It's like, oh my God, like how do you function? It's, I, I mean, I just think that's what, that's what people did. And I think, so how, when, how do you handle or what role has boundaries played in your life? Like, how do you handle when you get people? I mean, they can be strangers. It can be immediate family. I've had both who have been like, well, what are you doing? Like, it's just, it's just, how do you handle that when you know in your gut what you're doing is the right thing right now, but they can't see it. It's not their job to see it. I know that. But how do you personally handle that boundary-wise and, and in those circumstances when you're coming against people who have different opinions and judgments about what you're doing right. and maybe don't agree with it? Yeah, exactly. And I have come across mm-hmm. that for mm-hmm. sure. Because I think some, well, I've been told by a few people that um, I'm using my trauma or the tragedy to build a business or something. I can't even yeah. remember. Oh, no, I've heard it. I've heard it myself. So I do understand. And... Honestly, I felt sad for them. Mm-hmm. Number one, obviously, they don't know me, and yeah. number two, they're alone. Then, like they're they're one of the people that need that. And I, I truly believe that this is not about me. It's not even about Katie. It's oh. about just you know helping other people feel like they're not alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like I said, you know that one step farther ahead than you like giving people hope giving them guidance showing them that there's is a bit of light and lots of times i refer to a tsunami you know how you get dragged down into the deep dark cold and it crashes in 
and people need to know that that will happen and how to how to help themselves like how do they tread water and you know treading water is a good thing so mm-hmm. if that's all you can do right now is tread water then good let me help you tread water yeah. it's not it makes me sad for them when they they say that and honestly i just bless and release because there have been people that i've just had to you know let let go of my world because quite honestly i'm not the same person i'm not the same person and they want that that old shannon back and she's she's no longer she's just not no, your life completely changed, right? It changed completely. You changed. And they and your change disturbed some people because they're like, no, 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 we're just going to sweep it here. We're going to keep going and just put our heads down. And that's just not like that's you want to talk about numb. Like that is not a way to live. That is not a spot. That is not a way to live. And, but that is how a lot of people did and do live. So I think that the blessing release is, is just really like it's just it's not yours to carry. I said that today when I was doing a post and I was talking about it is the fact that if you want to find a way to lighten your load, choose what's yours to carry. Like let go of something that's not yours to carry because it's just, if we're going to seriously shove down all of the opinions, the judgments, the thoughts of everyone else with us and carry that on top of everything else, like we're just like, we're going to drown. We're going to absolutely drown. We will never move ahead. And I've learned it's not my responsibility. No. And it's none of my business. They, they have a right to whatever they want to think. And maybe I don't see it from their perspective because they're not seeing it from my perspective. So I'm not critical of them, but I also don't need them in my circle then. No, your, your energy is gold, right? This is the, I said this for like, your energy is absolutely gold and you can't, it's what the only thing that keeps you going every day. And in those early stages, if you've got people like that, who are like vampire suckers in the energy and they're sucking it out over and over, it's like, no, no, I just felt like I could take 10 steps. You can't take six, six away from me. Like I just, it took me this much work to just get here. And you start to really treat it like gold. And so I'm sure you can relate to that, but boundaries and managing that energy, physical boundaries, who you choose to spend your time with can completely affect and impact everything, right? So it's so important to honor those boundaries. Boundaries are huge. And I actually didn't know I was creating boundaries Mm -hmm. after the first couple of years. I I was doing it naturally. And then someone had said to me, you have really good boundaries. That's, you know, like you're you're keeping yourself safe. That's like healthy boundaries. Yeah talking about you know but again it's it's almost Mm self-protection but 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 with a different angle as with self-love instead of running away or hiding or anything i mean boundaries are important and it shows people how you want to be treated and that helps me when i'm trying to help you if you Mm -hmm. have boundaries as well and it's like okay well i can step this far but you're not ready quite for this mm-hmm. so you know you you have to have your own boundaries but you have to respect other people's boundaries as well mm-hmm. and, not here to fix and change someone else's boundaries either right like none of us are and people are ready when they're ready mm-hmm. as well so you can't force people to like you said before you can't force them to read a book they couldn't force me to journal no. and you know, over time, that might be something I'll start doing, but 
just not what works for me. So. And that's, that's completely fine. There's so many different resources and things that you can do, right? There's so many different things that you can do. So you're taking this now and you're building your program and you're doing things with it. Where do you see it going in the next six months, one year? Where would you like to see this journey take you? Well, I'm limiting my one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah. It is such a deep, deep um, work. That makes sense. So I would really like just to be able to carry on with that, but also um, expand my speaking more because that can reach more people. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've been speaking with um, my first responders that, and that sort of thing because wow. from a victim's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I do a bit of advocacy work for um, families of murdered loved ones. Mm -hmm. There's just not a lot of knowledge. Like, people don't really think to ask the victims or the family members, I guess, of the victims. They don't know that, that side of it, that perspective. Um, things like going to court. I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know you had to go through those gate things, like at the airport. You know, just little, what little. you know? Like, yeah. Birth. So, you know, sticking with that advocacy work, I would really like that. Um, nice. You know, just reaching as many people as I can to, to share that there's hope and happiness. And you know, well, there's a grandbaby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever, you know what, whatever lights you up, it's all good. It's all good. I love that you mentioned that in happiness, right? It's, I mean, of course you're allowed to be happy and talking about it and realizing that, yeah, it's like that is something that you want back in your life. And I'm so glad that you have your grandbaby because I'm sure that that lights things up, right? <laughs> yeah. And happiness is important. Can I just talk about that please, a little bit? Please do. Because I remember the first time I laughed after Katie died. Yeah. And I was mortified with myself. You felt guilty. So guilty. Like, yeah. uh, I was shocked. I didn't even realize it was me that was laughing. Oh. And when I did, it just crushed me. And of course, over time, you start to understand your thought patterns and all that around that. But there are some people that still don't, I don't know if they think that they don't deserve it or if it shows that, you know, maybe they, they didn't love their loved one as much if they could then move on to be happy. And that's so not true. I no, mean, I think, so strongly that Katie, of course, wants us all. My next question. That was exactly what my next question was, is that, I mean, I would, I, I, again, I'm not there, so I can't say that, but I would hope that I could look at it from the standpoint of what would they want? Like, what would Katie want for you to do with your life? And um, because I think that that can, it, that could be a force to almost pull you forward to say, all right, she, I know she would want me to move on. She'd be very proud of the work that you're doing now, like super, super proud because it takes a very unique person to step into this story, this, this horrific story that nobody would have asked for and to take it and do something really well, intentionally good with it to help other people. I mean, it's, that's a, not even a dime a dozen. It's just not, it's just people aren't going to do a lot of, I don't want to say, it's not mean negative. A lot of people wouldn't think of doing that. And I love what you're doing with it because I think you're creating such a beautiful ripple effect and I'm sure she'd be absolutely proud and of what you're doing with it. I really do. Yeah. 
Oh, you are welcome. I are welcome. Where can people connect and find you? I found you, but where can people find you? I know. <laughs> well, I'm on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, Conversations with Shannon. Okay. And in Conversations with Shannon, there's a private grief um, group in there, and that's called uh, Grief and All It's Craziness. Uh -huh. And I'm keeping that private just so people can only share whatever they want to. Yeah, and I am also on Instagram, of course. Mm -hmm. So you can DM me on Instagram, and that's conversations underscore with underscore Shannon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so yeah, DM me or. You know, if, if you were listening to this, if you're a person listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I just think she just spoke my language or she just said something that hit home with me. I mean, the best thing you can do is reach out to someone and, and just ask for like a question, how to connect and support and what to do. Because we're just, not only are we not alone in our pain and suffering, we're not going to get there on our own. Like I actually don't think we're going to get there on our own because it's just such a big mountain to climb at once. So there's nothing, it is not weakness to ask for help. I mean, I remember asking over and over and counselors and trying everything that I could find to get some support. And much like you in dealing with teens and addiction, we just, there, there was like no support. There was everywhere we went was, it just, it's almost like it was such a taboo topic that nobody wanted to say anything about it. And it wasn't until a lot of digging later, a lot of digging that we found a support group that we went to. And I just remember saying to my husband, like, I know we need to go to this, but I just can't fathom walking into this room knowing that. And the same feeling I'm sure everybody would think until we walked into a room full of parents. And I was, we walked in, I went, oh my gosh, we're not alone. Look at this room. Yeah. that's those are the eye-openers right yeah. so we're not alone in our pain and suffering but we're also never going to make it through alone because we need that guidance and that support to realize that this is just not it's just too much for one person to do alone. it's just, honestly there's no need there's no need to do that yeah absolutely there's no need whatsoever no. and I do understand that you know people that that might want to be reaching out to me that their energy is low that they don't have the focus that you know, they might not trust. Mm -hmm. I, I get all that. So a quick little DM. I answer all my own DMs. I, awesome. It's all private. It's you. Yeah, just me. Yeah. So feel free to reach out, even if it's just to say, hey. And I mean, I, I'll answer you back. You are not alone. And it does take, take other people to help walk up. And, you know, it strengthens all of us, right? Oh, 100%. We're all holding hands walking this path together. So much more beautiful and much more supportive if we do it together than on our own. We will get further and I think it's it's something because it really brings some of those beautiful people into your life that you would have never met. I just got a message from somebody, a parent who had been struggling with her teen for like six years, somebody handed her a book. I don't know, I don't know her at all. And she sent the most beautiful message and testimonial just for the fact of please thank you for sharing your story because I honestly thought it was just me. I no matter what you see on the news, no matter what you hear, she's I was convinced it was just me. I just didn't know in that it was somebody else as well. So that it's amazing how the fuel can come from somebody I've never met, maybe never will meet. It was just a message that I got. And you're the same, right? That gives you fuel to keep going because you know if you 
the value of what you can offer to someone to be able to free them from that story, the hold of the story and help them move forward in their life. It's invaluable. It's just invaluable. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have two quick questions for you before we go. And I like to wrap them up with this. So first question is what is the, if you could go back anywhere in time, what is the most powerful lesson you would share with your younger self? Trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know what your gut is telling you, you know what your soul is telling you, just trust yourself. Yeah, that's a, we're definitely connecting here. That, that has always been my answer is that you always know the answer. Like yeah. that, that was, I, I would say that to myself that Marcia, you know, the answer, like, you know, the answer, just listen. I know, you know, the answer mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have this right now. If you weren't capable of figuring this out, you know, the answer, like, it's just, so I, I, so true. <laughs> I know I love that you just said that. Cause that the reason I asked that question is that was something that got me through some really dark days was that I don't have to have it all figured out, but I do have it within me the capacity for the answer. I know the answer's in here somewhere and we can make decisions. It might not be the best one at the time, it might not be the, whatever the perfect one is, but it, we have to make a decision to move forward. And then we make the next decision and the next one and the next one. And I think with the, for me, with the trust yourself, mm -hmm. you don't have to find the whole solution at one time. So no. just for today or just in this moment, trust what, what you're feeling and Beautiful. Just Beautiful. And um, last question, what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Wow, that's a hard one. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess the lesson that I learned was that I'm strong enough, no matter what. Mm -hmm. you know, and that that has come from a lot of different things. I mean, Katie being murdered is, was only one aspect of my life, of course. And like most people, you know, we've lived a life. I'm 55 years old. I've lived a lot of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, continually, as, as you live your life, different things happen. And you, you realize, well, oh, wow, I really got through it. Mm -hmm. And... Of course, there was times after Katie died that I didn't think I would I would get through it, but I did. And then, you know, the next hard thing that might come up, you know, I know I I can do that. I'm I'm strong. And even if it's something so silly as I don't know, just something little and silly. Well, I've survived, and I've I've done more than survived so many other things that I am strong enough. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and I can do. You absolutely are. There's no question at all. There's no question at all. And I think that the beautiful thing is you allowed yourself to, you were strong enough, but you allowed yourself time space to grow that strength even more, right? Like that, yeah. I mean, you are a different person now. You'd have to be. So that strength grew and even more. So you allow that to happen. And now you take that and you put that energy and that support back on other people. And it's just powerful. It really is powerful. So I honestly, I, honor you for what you're doing. And I thank you because I love to connect with women who like to talk, not like, but talk about the, the difficult things in life. I mean, it's the things nobody wants to talk about. We actually have to, we actually have to. 
So I love that you are doing this and I know that you are impacting lots of people. And please, if you are listening and this speaks to you, please reach out to Shannon on Facebook, on Instagram, Conversations with Shannon, and connect to just to see what maybe some of your next steps are. But you just don't try and do this alone because you can honestly get there so much more, I don't say faster, but maybe in a little bit more of a... Um, confident straighter line in instead of you know feeling that that yes I can do this and just take someone else's hand and take someone else's hand to get there thank you so much Marsha oh. it's been lovely talking with you it's been fantastic talking with you so thank you so much I really appreciate this and we will definitely share this when it all comes out so thank you so much for your time tonight Shannon Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.